Hey, it's Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your host of the I Heart My Life show. This is episode 197, White Glove Service, PR, and Social Media with Hannah Nieves. So Hannah is an incredible agency owner who started her business just a few years ago, but it has taken off very rapidly. So today I wanted to talk to her all about her secrets to success, as well as how she's implemented white glove service into everything that she does. She's also highly skilled at getting PR opportunities for her clients. So we're going to touch on that as well as what's working in the world of social media in particular with Instagram. So this episode is for anyone who does truly have a dream because it's also highly motivational. What Hannah has been able to create with her no-nonsense attitude, yet incredibly big heart, has been so inspiring to watch. She truly is someone who I know is going to continue to rise up and up and up very quickly, and she's going to continue to have a massive impact on every single client she works with and across the online space as a whole. So let's go ahead and dive in. This episode was sponsored by the I Heart My Life Mastermind. The I Heart My Life Mastermind is perfect for you if you already have a business and you're looking to scale. We cover tons of different topics. We cover marketing strategy, revenue planning, team, processes, everything you need in terms of mindset, high performance, really taking care of yourself as well as your business, events, publicity. We literally have seven coaches under one umbrella to support you and give you the answers to all of your burning questions. We host regular weekly workshops where you get your personal questions answered. We have retreats. You have a private Slack channel where you get to ask questions 24-7. You have an extensive resource bank that helps you put in place our cash method in your own business and much, much more. This is one of the most inventive programs around. I don't know anyone else offering the service that we provide. So if you are interested in growing your business and transforming your life, definitely book a call with us to learn more. Go to iheartmylifebooking.com and learn more about the I Heart My Life Mastermind. Welcome to the show, Hannah. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so, so much for having me. Yeah. So we've worked together for a bit, but I don't know much about your complete backstory. So I'm excited to hear it alongside of our audience and listeners. So let's just dive right into all the details. I'd love to know a little bit more about your background and what you were doing that inspired the work that you now do at your agency. Mm, Such a good question. And everyone has such a unique story, right? And it's so interesting to see like how what's transpired in the past, you know, few years. And so a little bit about me prior to this, I came from corporate America, um, took the traditional route out of school, you know, worked in commercial real estate in Manhattan, which if you're familiar with the Wolf of Wall Street, it is the same exact thing. Um, So transition out of that, you know, underwriting and marketing half billion dollars worth of real estate assets in the city, transition into director of marketing of a national home interiors brand, which was my um, last role in corporate America. And it was great. Um, Did everything I loved, but always my demise was burnout, right? Like I always would go into burnout and it happened throughout the years because again, Enneagram one here, um, type a, you know, high achiever, I would push myself to the point where, you know, my body was like, you have to stop. Um, and then two years ago ended up going to the hospital for it. So at that point, my body was like, you need to stop, um, can't keep pushing yourself. So at that point, I always knew entrepreneurship was something that was interesting to me. I just didn't know what it was going to be. 
it was funny because I remember finding you at the time too and finding your account and just inspired by everything that you've done. Um, and you've been someone I've been, you know, watching since the beginning too. And I started mentoring other women and it was something that became so fulfilling. I just can't describe the feeling. And then I knew this is what I was supposed to be doing. So it started from there and then it morphed into now full-fledged agency and consulting. And then we have our EDU platform where we work with aspiring entrepreneurs all the way up to seven figures on my marketing trio, marketing, branding, and PR. So that's a little bit about me and my story. I love it. So obviously burnout inspired you or maybe not inspires, maybe inspired is not the right word, but mm-hmm. was one of the catalysts <laughs> for you starting your business. Did you ever, when you were growing up, envision yourself as an entrepreneur or somebody doing this work? Absolutely. I always said I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. I just didn't know what the vehicle looked like. I didn't know the path. I don't know what it was going to be. But, you know, um, DVF said, Diane von Furstenberg said a really great line that always stuck with me that she didn't know the the journey of where she was going. She just knew the woman that she wanted to be. And that's something that really stood out to me that I've always taken with me everywhere I've gone is I knew the impact I wanted to have on my audience and with my clients. And I knew the way that I wanted to show up. I just didn't know what it was, but I always let that guide me throughout the way. And so when you went into burnout, did you actually leave your job at the time or what was, what sort of happened during the transition of going from that big role into running your own company? Yeah. So I started mentoring other women on the side and it was small baby steps, you know, started building my business off hours after work. And it got to the point where I had to make a decision. Am I really going to pursue this or not? And I decided to go full force. And then right when I was actually about to transition out of the role, COVID happened and my entire team was laid off. So at that point, it was kind of do or die. You have to make this work. And everything thankfully worked out but we were building the infrastructure for a while. And I think that was what was so powerful is that, you know, even though, and listen, it is hard. It is hard building a business on the side of working a high demanding career because I mean, you only have limited amount of time. So I use that to really build up my social following and really connect with people and build relationships. And that's the stuff that moved the needle. Yeah. And so would you say that most of your initial clients came through social media? Yeah. Social media referral, referral and social media were my top um, two referral sources at the time. And they still are. I mean, referrals are incredible and just like leveraging the different platforms and obviously expands outwards from there, but social media, specifically Instagram. Okay. Amazing. So I know we're going to talk a little bit more about social media in just a bit, but I'm curious to know about this burnout piece specifically. I know there's a lot of people listening who are type A, they're pushing themselves, they're burning the candle at both ends. And they're wondering like, how do you shift out of that? So I'm curious to know, you went from high powered career into running your own business. And so there really wasn't much of a break there. How did you make sure that when you started your company that you weren't going to fall back into bad habits or, you know, continue down that same path? Absolutely. And listen, there, no one is perfect. I'm not perfect. No one is perfect at this. There's, you know, push and pull with everything. And I think that's, that's really what I had to understand. There's no such thing as balance. You know, there's, you can have a morning routine, although I, I don't really have the best morning routine. I like to go and flow and that works for me. Um, but what has worked really, really well to not get into that is understanding that there's always going to be seasons of you're going to be moving a lot. You're going to be pushing outwards in your business 
Maybe you're doing uh, different launches and there's other seasons where you have to pull back to plan for the next one. So I'm just understanding that setting clear boundaries with my phone is huge, you know, especially with my partner, my husband, you know, putting, uh, turning my phone off when we go out to eat, you know, small little things like that have really helped from a mental health standpoint as well. Just like the boundary between social media and work, because as an entrepreneur, there is, there really is no shutting off. You have to decide that you're going to shut off. So that was really, really big and just setting clear boundaries, you know, with my team and just setting expectations there. That was bit, that was by far been the most helpful piece of this whole journey. And what would you say that you set expect, what are the expectations that you set with your team at this point? Absolutely. So with my team specifically, I tell them, Hey, and I also have full-time team members as well. So it's also a little bit different than contract, but I let them know I'm not expecting you to work throughout the weekend. I want you to be able to shut off just like I do. So setting those clear boundaries on, you know, mental health and balance there. I've also started bringing in different guest experts for my team to come in. Like we had a cycle syncing expert come in to talk about productivity. So also giving them the tools that they need to show up better. You know, what's also interesting is, you know, I came from the world of, you know, commuting to an office and so did my team. So navigating this work from home environment is is new for a lot of people. And for a lot of people, it's hard to manage that balance of actually shutting off when your computer is, you know, right next to your bed. Mm, Amazing. Yeah, no. And I'm so intrigued about the fact that you already have full-time team members. So obviously that was a deliberate decision that you made maybe based on what you've seen work in your corporate career. But can you talk a little bit about how you made that decision and maybe how you even moved through some of the fear that could have come up around that? Absolutely. So I have a mixture of full-time and contractors on my team, all incredible people. And specifically because of my business model, which this is another thing too, you know, it was really hard to also find people balancing both, you know, the agency and consulting arm and then the EDU. And specifically for my agency, I wanted full-time people with me because, you know, when we're working with our clients and we're so involved with their businesses, I wanted someone just as invested in me too, to help with our clients. So I really, for the most part, started with my agency and that was my first full-time hire. And then we grew from there. And then on the HN side, we ended up bringing on someone for the marketing support as well to assist me when I'm working on my clients' businesses. So I kind of went that route first off because I wanted also people who were local. We also do in-person team uh, meetups, which is great. But we also have a team of contractors that support us in various projects too, which is incredible. And how did you learn how to build a team? Oh, that is a great question. And I feel like it's an ever evolving journey, you know, coming from corporate, I did have a team, you know, I think we've all been there where we've had, you know, those toxic relationships and you, you try to figure out like, what's your leadership style. I've been investing actually heavily in my leadership training for myself, because I feel like there's, there's no end to learning. You have to learn more. Everyone's skill set can grow. So for me, building a team, I've made the mistakes. I've made the mistakes of hiring people um, that say weren't a good fit or rushing to hire to fill something. And I think for me, just really understanding that the culture is number one, like I can train the skill set, but I really, the culture has to be everything. So that leading with that and with my values helped to also attract the right people. Interesting. Yeah, no, I agree completely, but I'm just like blown away because I feel like all of this has happened really fast for you. And I feel like, yeah. And so what would you say your secret is to that fast growth? 
I would say for the most part, just again, put giving my all to my clients. That's another one as well. Like I lead with integrity and compassion and honesty and white glove service. You know, my, my big thing and my team knows this too, because I instill it with them is that we want to deliver the best service for our clients, the best product for our clients. I want to be there for them as a trusted partner in their team and same on the EDU side as well. So for me, again, you know, just really really set in the foundation of what my values are and displaying that. I think a lot of the time, especially, you know, when you're first starting out, you're kind of getting your footings down. But um, for me, the biggest thing was I, I knew the vision and you talk a lot about this, but like putting yourself, like claiming that identity, I claim that identity as a seven figure business owner before I was a seven figure business owner, before I was six figures, before I even had $5,000 to my name. But that I think helped so much because even you know, when you go through the mindset lows and highs, like I always had the goal and the vision in my mind. And I think that's what held me there. Mm, yeah. So amazing. Yeah. I really admire the work that you guys do and the fact that you are a luxury brand as well. And I know, you know, from working with you for a bit that when you onboard people, there's a level of luxury there and you send gifts and there's just the super high vibe experience. So I feel like the brand that you've created really stands out to people as well. And it's not just the website. It's like the whole experience mm -hmm. that people are getting, which obviously helps with those referrals and helps create that momentum. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the biggest thing too, right? You know, being a luxury brand, you can have the beautiful website, but if you don't actually walk the walk and show your clients that like, listen, I am here for you, whatever you need, we are here for you. I mean, that's the biggest thing and just showing that you care. I think when also when coming into this online world, it's easy to see a lot of the, the quote unquote bro marketing tactics of this is how you build an online business. But I kind of led with, Hey, I can lead with impact and I can be profitable, but I can lead with my heart and show my clients that we are here to serve them. Um, and it's, it's paid off. So I agree. So let's talk a little bit about what the agency does. So I know there's a few different areas that you help your clients. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So we kind of embody the trio of marketing, branding, and PR. So we really hone in on done for you PR services, which that looks different for everyone that could look like traditional media pitching, um, bespoke event planning, um, new product launches. We also do social media management as well. And I also do consulting on a corporate level for um, my corporate client as well. So really kind of the full gamut of marketing, branding, and PR. And a lot of our listeners are online business owners. So can you talk a little bit about what you're seeing working in terms of social media right now, especially for coaches and for female entrepreneurs? Absolutely. And keep in mind too, Instagram is going to be one of those things specifically that is going to, there's ebbs and flows with engagement, right? So for example, this past month and in April, the Instagram engagement has been up and down, right? And the biggest thing that I think has been working is just understanding that putting out like good content, like meaty, juicy content has been performing well. Um, also reels. Reels has been one of the best ways to, to really increase your engagement on the platform. And I've been studying, you know, different Instagram story tactics. Tactics, but the biggest thing is putting out good uh, content, but not quantity. So really just if you can't post five days a week, that's fine. But just make sure your content drives engagement with your audience. Mm, that's a great reminder. So when you say drives engagement, do you mean asks people for to post below or to click on a poll or submit an answer to a question on Instagram stories? 
Absolutely. So always ask your ICA, your audience to do something at the end of the post. So whether it is a promotional post where you're saying, Hey, I have this product that will solve your, you know, your problem. Um, go click the link in the bio. If not, it could be a drop an emoji. It could be a viral quote where people are tagging friends. It could be share this post, save this post. The more things that your ideal client can do to interact with it, the better. And that will drive your engagement up. Um, the other thing too, with, with reels specifically, they, I mean, there are certain reels that will go viral, but reels are one of the best ways right now because video is, video is the future. Um, if you look at TikTok's algorithm, it is just wild to see how people can go viral so quickly. So Instagram is trying to emulate the same thing with reels. So if you can do it, I know they can take some time. It will really pay off. Yeah. And so what is the difference, would you say, between Instagram Reels and TikTok? Is there one that someone that people should focus on more than the other? It really depends. You know, TikTok, I've had a few clients that have gone viral on TikTok. I mean, one of my past clients um, had 900 signups to a masterclass from a TikTok one that just went viral. So, I mean, you can absolutely go viral on the platform. I think it's a different audience. It's a different person. So it really just depends on who you're trying to attract. You know, Instagram, personally, I built my entire business off of that platform and expanded into others. And I always say it's good to start with one or two platforms where you know your ideal client's hanging out at and then expand outwards from there. Mm-hmm. And in terms of um, reels themselves, is there something people can do to create something that goes viral, or is there some sort of component to viral videos that are that's like the secret mm-hmm. to that expansion? So given that Instagram is changing their algorithm again, and I've been saying this over the last few weeks, before there were ways to hack reels, right? Like for example, using uh, tips, right? Things that were shareable that people would want to share. Um, You know, even polarizing content works really, really well. But what I've noticed now with Instagram is that there's no, you can't really predict or you can't quote unquote hack reels anymore. Um, So really it's more so again, just putting out the quality content. Like I said before, you don't have to pump out endless content, just make sure it's good content. Um, And don't just post just to post. That's the biggest thing. You know, um, like I mentioned before, video is, video is a feature for these social media platforms. So if you can do anything, get on Instagram stories to start, leverage reels, leverage IGTV. Those are great ways to get yourself out there. And also it just builds a deeper connection with your audience. And if you're somebody who's more of a new business owner, I know you mentioned three things, the marketing, the branding, and the PR. So which would you focus on first? Because I know we have a lot of people who are new or want to start businesses listening. So what would you prioritize? I would definitely prioritize your personal brand to start. I mean, that's the biggest thing. People buy from people. Now, whether you have a business that is under another entity other than your name or it's under your name, people still want to know you as a founder. So I'd really establish your personal brand, which is not just your website, right? It's also the core mission and the values. Like, what do you bring to the table? What's your positioning statement? So I would dig a little bit deeper into your brand and how you want to be portrayed 
And then again, you can, you can get so caught up with all the beautiful, shiny marketing tactics out there. I mean, funnels and email marketing and opt-ins, which are so important, but set the framework of your brand first before you start to dabble in all the other things, especially PR too. Mm-hmm. And so with PR in particular, where do you start people with that? Is it trying to get an article in Business Insider or like what would be the starting point? The biggest thing I always recommend if you're thinking about doing PR is you want to make sure, number one, that you obviously have your business established at that point. You know what you're bringing to the table, Um, depending on what your business is, right? Like everyone has a story and you can be pitching a story. So you don't necessarily need to be at you know, quote unquote, six figures to start pitching yourself, but it really comes down to the goals. PR is a visibility tool and a credibility tool and think about it as additional eyeballs on your business. So if you are getting featured in Business Insider, you're leveraging the millions of eyeballs that they get every single month on their platform for free. So it's one of the best ways to build authority and credibility. And I always say, before you even start to do that, make sure at least you have a place to drive traffic to and set a goal. Like, why are you doing this? Is it to get the flashy logos on your website or is it to really tap into another audience um, or really just grow your email list? Whatever it is, set the goals and the foundation first. Yeah, that's such great advice. I'm curious to know, I want to pivot a little bit here. I'm curious to know what you see as being the difference or the differences between between corporate and then this online space. Because you obviously did an amazing job at your previous company as director of marketing. And I'd imagine you brought so many of those tools and talents into this business. But what do you see as being different between the two? There's so many things that are different about the online world. (laughs) Um, Good and bad, right? I think, you know, transitioning to the online world, you know, there is a different level or a different type of marketing to begin with. A lot of the people that I work with are building their businesses completely online, which is incredible. You know, coming from corporate, there's a lot of politics you have to get used to and a lot of, um, you know, climbing the corporate ladder that is so normal in that space. And I think what's so beautiful about the online world is that you can actually create the destiny and the dream that you want if you have the vision. And I think that's something that, especially why I also transitioned from corporate is because I wanted to step off of the ladder and create something different and not have to go through the normal hoops of this is the next step. And then this is the next step. And I think it becomes almost like the uh, hamster wheel, right? You just can't get off of it and you're just so consumed by it. So I think some of the biggest things, you know, being able to be in the online space is there's more room also for creativity. I mean, it is just so fascinating to see like what my clients and what people in the space are creating on a daily basis. It's incredible. Yeah, that's so interesting. You know, I think there are tons of positives. And I always look at people who have experienced corporate, like I have a friend who was um, really high up in Lululemon and one of their, you know, initial team members. And she tells me tons of stories about corporate and the way that they did things. And now she's brought some of that knowledge into her online business. And so I think that there's so much that you probably learned from that role as well, that those of us who just start businesses in the online space, maybe we'll learn eventually, but I think you probably have so much knowledge that you've been able to take into this company that has served you and also helped you have a different perspective than those of us who have only ever done online. 
Absolutely. You know, listen, while there are negatives coming from corporate, like any corporate experience and anything for that matter, there were tons of positives, you know, learning, like you just said, taking everything that I learned from there, bringing it here, you know, prior to this, I was managing millions of dollars in marketing spend and doing everything from paid search to buying print buys at New York Times and Wall Street Journal to social media events. I mean, working with the trade, we did so many things, but I think what I really took in from corporate to this world is, hey, okay, most of my clients don't have millions of dollars to spend on their marketing budget. Most don't. So how can we still get the same effect that we did and still diversify the marketing strategy for their businesses? So took that, you know, another thing too is like the white glove service. That was something that I took from my corporate experience directly because that's how we operated. And I said, hey, I'm going to bring this into the online space because no one's talking about this. And it's really important too. Like if you really want to build a luxury brand, um, it really goes into the experience that you're providing clients too. So having that, that professionalism, especially running an agency, it just running an agency has its own set of things that, you know, a lot of coaches and consultants might not have to think about. And it's just, it's really important. Yeah. And I love the white glove service element. I know you and I are both building homes and RH Mm -hmm. talks about their white glove service and installing things and, you know, all of that jazz. And you were one of the first people that I saw actually mention that specifically that white glove service. So can you talk a little bit about what that includes when people come to work with you? Yeah. So white glove service, you know, you hear it a lot in the home interiors uh, space specifically. So when you're moving, right, a white glove service of installation or delivery, and it really just means a level of care, right? A level of attention to detail, of caring. And the biggest thing with white glove service is, yes, a lot of people think, oh, I'm just going to send the nice welcome gift and that's it, which is great. That's part of the experience, but it's what happens after that. So I'm thinking about, okay, like what is the process from start to finish when the client's working? with me? How are we giving the communication? How are we asking for feedback? How are we showing up and serving them? And, you know, that's the whole experience from start to finish. And also just being able to navigate, you know, when things don't go planned or how do you navigate tough situations? That's another thing as well. You know, I think the biggest thing is just caring. It's really caring about your customers in a way and also communicating to your ideal client that this is of importance to you. So I talk a lot about like sensory branding and how you use the senses to really create this powerful brand. And that's one of them. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's such a great point. I love what you said about, you know, it's not just the thing that you're sending the gift, but it's about the whole experience and Mm -hmm. making sure that your clients know that you care. And I think so often people start businesses and the goal is just to bring in income because of course they want to keep the business going. And then thinking about the client experience is kind of an afterthought, which I totally get because there's so much happening in the beginning when you're just starting, Mm -hmm. but we really need to think about, okay, well, if this happens or if this question comes in, or if the client's going to be onboarded, what does it look like? We need to map out all of those scenarios and get really clear about how we're going to approach things or what the process is going to look like. Absolutely. And that takes time. I mean, I was not perfect in the beginning, but it was something that, again, I think it just comes down to how you treat your clients and just the communication with them too. Like letting them know this is important to my brand. And I want you to know that. And I want you to know that there's going to be that communication because that's usually what it comes down to is just communication. And I like to over communicate even with my team. I'm like over communicate with me 
the better. That's, I mean, really makes a big, big difference. And usually, for example, you know, especially in the beginning stages, you're, you know, a one woman show of trying to build your business and do all the things, right? But it just taking that one step of mapping out, okay, what's the onboarding? What's the offboarding? What does that experience look like? Love it. So a few final questions. What are you most proud of from the last few years? Mm so many things. I mean, like I actually had to sit like back and like think about it, but there are a lot of things that I actually don't take a lot of credit for that, you know, really had to pat myself in the back a little bit. But, um, I would say for the most part, like just building a business that like leads with impact over income, that was something that's so important to me. And, you know, I don't know if you probably heard this before, but there's, you know, for me, when I started my business, I almost had this fear of like, too much success, right? Like, what does it look like? Too much success. And then, you know, after building this business and and seeing the impact it's had from other people. And again, you talk a lot about money mindset. I had to change my money mindset so much in building my business, but doing it in a way where like the impact that we've had has literally impacted people's lives. I mean, I've had my third, I think it's my third client that's left their nine to five job. Um, I've had clients that have built their businesses and built their agencies and they've retired their spouse. They paid off debt. And it's so incredible to see that type of impact. So I would say just leading with integrity, building a business the way that I want um, has been one of the most, the proudest moments. Amazing. You know, I can't leave this stone unturned. So what did you have to transform in terms of your money mindset? Oh, there are so (laughs) many things. And I feel like I could talk about this forever, but money mindset was one of, was the first thing I had to work on when I first started my business. And it was funny because when I first started, all I wanted was strategy. I was like, okay, I just need another strategic partner. Tell me what I to do. A, B, C, D, E. That's fine. Um, my mom, my mindset's great. You don't need to tell me anything about my mindset. And when in reality, it was everything. It was everything like the stories I would tell myself, the, um, for example, holding on to money so, so much that I wouldn't let it go. And meanwhile, like that's what restricts you, restricts you from actually making any money. So really just working on like rewriting all of those stories that I had. And that was the biggest breakthrough. I mean, you know, you talk a lot about money mindset and it's just, it's so powerful. So what was it that finally kind of got it through your head that that was the thing that you needed? So for me, it goes deep and it goes way back, you know, also being like a woman of color as well. Like when you are raised, especially in like Latin culture specifically, um, you are raised to think that, you know, money doesn't grow in trees. That's it. Money doesn't grow in trees. You should be grateful. You should go the safe route. Like, you don't go outside the norm. And that's how we were raised. And I actually just spoke about this more recently. You know, my, for example, my mom grew up in the projects in New York City where she came from nothing. And, you know, a lot of my family members do still have to stay that restricted mindset of money, right? Like it could be gone tomorrow. So really going back and rewriting all of those beliefs that I had. And I mean, that changed everything. And when I, invested in my first 
high ticket program. When I said, here's my credit card, here's $5,000. And I, at that point, I was like, this is it. I remember I told my mentor at the time, I said, I don't have a way to pay this back, but we're going to make it work. And that shift there, that was like the catalyst because I ended up making my money back within a few weeks and then invested $10,000 and then even more from there. And then it was like, once you saw the money come back, it's like you start to build that trust. So for me, it's Mm -hmm. deeply rooted. Yeah. Yeah. It always is for sure. And I know one of the things that you're doing that I'm sure you're super proud of is that you're actually building a home. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Things have really transformed for you financially and you're doing big things. Yeah. And you know, for a lot of people, you know, I always say like this home is actually, it's not just a home for me. You know, it signifies so much, something so much deeper for me personally. And, you know, I was actually adopted when I was 18, which a lot of people actually don't know this. Um, so for me, my home always meant, you know, a place that I was grounded and rooted and it was something that I didn't have. So to be able to do this is something, again, kind of going back to what I'm most proud of, like being able to do this for my family has been something that's just so, so powerful. Wow. So how do you get adopted when you're 15? I know that's a stupid question. 18. 18. 18, I mean. So I was adopted by my stepfather. Crazy story. But my stepfather adopted me at the time and he actually raised me since I was five. So it was a long time coming. Wow. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, No, I agree completely. I mean, it's so much more than just, you know, a house. It's, Mm -hmm. there's so much that goes into even making that happen. But like you said, feeling grounded. And I know for me, I've moved so many times. I think it's 13 times over the last 17 years that even going into 2021, one of my words was stability, like wanting to create stability in my life and in Mm -hmm. the business. And it's so powerful to have that foundation and to feel grounded because you know, even though the word is grounded, like you have a solid platform to springboard off of to go to your Mm -hmm. next level. Like that's how I see it as well. There's like an element of stability there, but then that provides support for other things that are looking to grow. So I'm super pumped to see you move into your house and see all the pictures. Yes, I'm excited. (laughs) So final question, what we ask all of our guests at the I Heart My Life show is what do you recommend? What is one way that our listeners can create a life that's better than their dreams? Mm, just believe it's possible for you. That's the biggest thing. You know, you can have the beautiful strategy and the funnels and all of the beautiful marketing strategies to get there. But like, if you don't actually believe it's true for you and you don't actually claim that identity of, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to get resourceful. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. And that's personally what's helped me a lot. And where can people find you? On Instagram at Hannah M. Nieves. I do a lot of mini trainings on there and definitely come into my DMs. I will probably voice memo you back. <laughs> Love it. I can attest to that. I think we've had multiple <laughs> voice memos on Instagram. Yeah. Love it. Well, thank you so much for your time and for sharing that. I know I share everyone's sentiment and that it's been incredible to watch your journey and we're excited about what's thank to you. come because if you've done all of this in just a few years, I can only imagine what's next for you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for having me on here again. Appreciate you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to the I Heart My Life show. I hope you love today's episode. If you know somebody who needs this content, go ahead and send this to them. We appreciate you spreading the I Heart My Life message far and wide. And I'll talk to you next time. We hope you love this episode. Thank you so much for being an avid listener of the I Heart My Life show. 
take a second and leave a review. It would mean so much to us and we read all of them. And for further inspiration and life and business tips about creating a life that you love and achieving massive success, definitely follow us at I Heart My Life on Instagram and at I Heart My Life Now on Facebook. See you next time.